0: Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, and you can think of me as your friendly guide to the English language—writing, history, rules, and cool stuff. Today, I have a big meaty podcast about the conjunction so and how to tell what role it's playing in a sentence. Today's question comes from Matt Mullen, a teacher I met a few years ago at the National Council for Teachers of English convention. He writes, quote, I struggle to provide students with any explanation for the difference between so used as a coordinating conjunction and so when it's really so that in disguise, unquote. This really is a tricky ball of twine to unroll. We even touched on the topic of whether so is a coordinating conjunction in episode 424, Weird Coordinating Conjunctions, Yet, For, and So— We didn't pursue the matter too far in that episode, but you better believe we're going to in this one. To understand Matt's question, let's think about two sentences that on the surface are a lot alike. One is, Kim put a pillow on top of the empty box so no cats would get into it. The other one is, Kim put a pillow on top of the empty box so no cats got into it. The words are exactly the same, except that where one of them has would get, the other one has the verb got. Let's take a closer look at the first sentence. Kim put a pillow on top of the empty box so no cats would get into it. The clause that begins with so expresses Kim's purpose. Kim didn't want any cats to get into the empty box. Notice that you can replace so with the somewhat stuffier phrase, in order that, and the sentence means the same thing. Kim put a pillow on top of the empty box in order that no cats would get into it. For this reason, it'll be convenient to talk about the so in this sentence as the purpose so. Here's something else you can do with this sentence. You can put the so clause first, and the sentence will still be grammatical. In other words, we could also say, So no cats would get into the empty box. Kim put a pillow on top of it. This ability to come before or after a sentence's main clause is a dead giveaway that we're dealing with an adverb clause. An adverb clause is a clause that explains when, where, how, or why the action of the main clause happens. Adverb clauses are a kind of clause known as a subordinate clause— And subordinate clauses always begin with a subordinating conjunction. One of the best-known subordinating conjunctions is because. So let's see how this flexible ordering works with a because clause. The sentence, no cats got into the empty box because Kim put a pillow on top of it, could also be phrased, because Kim put a pillow on top of the empty box, no cats got into it. Another subordinating conjunction is in order that— which we were just talking about a minute ago. That's right, subordinating conjunctions can consist of sequences of words in addition to individual words. We know this because we can put a clause beginning with in order that, at the beginning of a sentence, just like we did with a clause beginning with because. In order that no cats would get into the empty box, Kim put a pillow on top of it. The fact that the clause so no cats would get into it is also able to come at the beginning of a sentence is evidence that it, too, is an adverb clause, and that purpose, so, it's a subordinating conjunction. Another reason to believe that purpose, so, is a subordinating conjunction is that it can be replaced by so that, which is definitely a subordinating conjunction. We know this the same way as we do for because and in order that. We can put a so that clause before or after the main clause. We can say either Kim put a pillow on top of the empty box so that no cats would get into it, or so that no cats would get into the empty box, Kim put a pillow on top of it. At this point, it makes sense to conclude not only that purpose so is truly a subordinating conjunction, but also that it and so that are actually the same subordinating conjunction. This is what Matt meant when he said that so is sometimes so that in disguise. Why does it sometimes come along with a that and sometimes not? Well, it's just one of those facts about English that we can sometimes omit the word that. For more on that topic, check out episode 601, which we'll link to in the show notes. Here's what we have so far. Purpose so is a subordinating conjunction and can be thought of as a so that with the word that omitted. The clause it introduces can come before or after the main clause in a sentence. Typically, this clause will use a modal auxiliary verb such as may, might, or would, since these verbs are good for talking about situations that are not true yet, such as purposes. Now let's return to our other sentence. Kim put a pillow on top of the empty box so no cats got into it. This so clause expresses a result. Notice that you can replace the word so with the words, and as a result, and the sentence has the same meaning. Kim put a pillow on top of the empty box, and as a result, no cats got into it. For this reason, it'll be convenient to talk about the so in this sentence as the result so. Unlike the purpose so, if we try to put the result so clause first, the sentence becomes ungrammatical. So, no cats got into the empty box, Kim put a pillow on top of it. Now, in case you're thinking that the sentence doesn't sound so bad, make sure that your result so hasn't sneaked away and been replaced by a purpose so. The temptation, at least for me, is to unconsciously interpret it as a purpose clause once again and think how it would sound better with would get instead of got but when I remind myself that so no cats got into the empty box is telling what actually happened, the sentence crashes. This inability of the result so clause to come before the clause it's connected to indicates that result so is not a subordinating conjunction, but a coordinating conjunction. The best-known coordinating conjunctions are and, but, and or and just as with result-so, the clauses they introduce have to come after the main clause. For example, we can say, Kim put a pillow on top of the empty box, and no cats got into it. But when we try to swap the two clauses, it becomes ungrammatical. And no cats got into the empty box, Kim put a pillow on top of it. To sum up this second batch of facts, when so expresses a result is a coordinating conjunction. The clause that it introduces has to come after the main clause, and because it's not talking about hypothetical situations, it typically doesn't use a modal auxiliary verb such as may, might, or could. No cat's got into the empty box. Wouldn't it be nice if these two constellations of facts were the whole story? Purpose so, which sometimes shows up as so that, is a subordinating conjunction— results so is a coordinating conjunction. Unfortunately, there's more. As it turns out, so that can also express a result. Using the same example we've been using so far, we could say, Kim put a pillow on top of the empty box so that no cats got into it. Notice that we're using the ordinary past tense verb got, not would get or could get. In other words, after Kim put that pillow in place, no cats were able to sneak into that box, curl up inside it, and start shedding fur. But it's not entirely clear whether this sentence is expressing Kim's purpose for putting a pillow on the box or a result of Kim's doing that, since really both things could be true. To show that so that really can be used to show result without purpose, we need a different example. Here's one from an online technical support forum. I accidentally shifted a right-hand page so that it no longer aligns with the facing page in my layout. The word accidentally makes it clear that the so-that clause is expressing only a result, not the writer's purpose. Another thing to note about so-that clauses that show result is that they don't sound very good when you omit the word that— If we say, I accidentally shifted a right-hand page so it no longer aligns with the facing page in my layout, it doesn't make sense. Going right into the so clause without a pause makes it sound like a purpose clause, but the word accidentally undermines this interpretation. It seems to me that when a listener hears so that, they're prepared for either a purpose clause or a result clause, and they'll let the context guide them in the right direction but with just plain so, they expect a purpose clause, because if the speaker wanted to express a result with just plain so, the best choice for that job would be the coordinating conjunction so. The question now is whether this result-oriented so that is a coordinating or subordinating conjunction. It consists of two words which suggests it's a subordinating conjunction If it were a coordinating conjunction, it would be the odd one out in the family whose other members are all single words, and, but, or, nor, yet, for, and result, so. On the other hand, so that, showing a result, is different from the other subordinating conjunctions we've talked about because the clause it introduces can't come at the beginning of a sentence. The sentence, so that a right-hand page no longer aligns with the facing page in my layout, I accidentally shifted it. Doesn't make sense. Just as it did when we took out the word that, it now sounds like a purpose clause, but the word accidentally contradicts this interpretation. But that's actually okay. We didn't say that all adverb clauses can come before a main clause. We just said that if a clause can do that, it's definitely an adverb clause. If that sounds confusing, here's an analogy that's easier to think about. If your family pet is a poodle, your family pet is a dog. But that doesn't mean that if your family pet is a dog, it's a poodle. It could be a golden retriever, a bulldog, or a friendly mutt from the pound. The upshot of all this is that so that is still a subordinating conjunction, even when it introduces a result clause. Now that we have a clearer idea of what kind of words so and so that are, what does that mean for how we write a sentence with them? One area that the nature of so and so that affects is in avoiding sentence fragments. We've seen that adverb clauses can come before or after a main clause, but the important thing to remember is that either way, there will be a main clause to make a complete sentence. The clauses, so that no cats would get into it, and because Kim put a pillow on top of the empty box, are okay as spoken answers to questions but in written English, they have to partner up with a main clause in order to make a complete sentence. By the way, this is why you may have been told that you shouldn't start a sentence with because. If you do, you have to remember that the sentence isn't complete until you get that main clause in there. If you put the main clause first and the because clause is second, you don't have that problem. But it actually is okay to start sentences with because. You just have to be careful. On the other hand, clauses that are introduced by coordinating conjunction don't have to have another clause in the same sentence. If you want to, you can take a coordinating conjunction and just one clause and have a complete sentence. It's slightly more casual if you do this, but it's grammatical. Here's how it would sound with our example using the coordinating conjunction AND. Kim put a pillow on top of the empty box, and no cats got into it. Here it is with the coordinating conjunction so. Kim put a pillow on top of the empty box, so no cats got into it. For more about beginning sentences with subordinating and coordinating conjunctions, check out episode 418. By the way, we'll put links to all the other episodes about coordinating conjunctions in the show notes. Another issue affected by what kind of so you're using is punctuation. In particular, should you put a comma before so— This question only comes up when your so clause comes later in the sentence, because if it comes at the beginning of a sentence, then the punctuation that comes before it is whatever punctuation ended the previous sentence. For subordinating clauses, the rule is that you usually don't put a comma before them. However, this rule is more of a guideline. If the so clause seems long, you might want to put a comma before it. The examples we've been using are rather long, so I've been putting a comma before every so clause that comes later in a sentence. You might also put a comma before a so clause if it follows a long or complex main clause to show that the so clause modifies an earlier verb rather than a later one. For example, take the sentence, Kim told Sandy to invite Robin so no one's feelings would get hurt. What action had the purpose of respecting people's feelings? inviting Robin or telling Sandy to invite Robin. Without a comma, people will tend to think the so clause modifies invite Robin. However, if we use a comma, the sentence turns into Kim told Sandy to invite Robin, so no one's feelings would be hurt. Now it sounds like the so clause modifies Kim told Sandy. For coordinating conjunctions that join clauses, the rule is that you usually do put a comma before them— but this rule too is more of a guideline. If the two clauses are very short, you can leave out the comma. For example, it started thundering and we had to take shelter. This means that before the coordinating conjunction so, you should probably put a comma unless your sentence is really short. We've talked about putting commas before so, but what about after it? This one is easy. No. If we're dealing with purpose-so, the subordinating conjunction, remember that it's a so-that in disguise, and in written English we don't put a comma between a that and the clause it introduces. If we're dealing with a result-so, the coordinating conjunction, there's more room for confusion because many people do put commas after coordinating conjunctions that come at the beginning of a sentence. This is probably because it's common to put a pause here in spoken English. For example, I might say something like, I wanted to bake a cake for the party, but I discovered I was out of flour. Even so, in standard written English, the rule is not to put a comma after a coordinating conjunction unless there's some kind of interruption between the conjunction and the rest of the sentence. For example, we might write, Kim put a pillow on top of the empty box, comma, so, comma, in case any curious cats came prowling around later, comma, they wouldn't get into it. So, here's a summary of what we've covered today. First, the subordinating conjunction, so that, can show purpose. Clauses beginning with this subordinating conjunction usually, but not always, contain a modal verb, such as might, could, or would. These clauses could come before or after a sentence's main clause— you have the option of omitting the word that for the subordinating conjunction, and you probably don't need a comma before it. So that is the subordinating conjunction in our sentence, Kim put a pillow on top of the empty box so that no cats would get into it. Second, the subordinating conjunction so that can also show result. These result clauses usually don't use modal verbs. Result clauses beginning with so that are different from other adverb clauses in two ways. They can't come before a sentence's main clause, and you can't omit the that. But, like other adverb clauses, they don't need a comma before them. So that is a subordinating conjunction in the sentence, I accidentally shifted a right-hand page so that it no longer aligns with the facing page in my layout. Third, the coordinating conjunction so shows result. Like other result clauses, clauses beginning with result so usually don't use modal verbs. Like other clauses that begin with a coordinating conjunction, they're independent clauses, which means they can stand alone or after another independent clause in a single sentence. When they're part of a larger sentence, you probably need a comma before them. So is a coordinating conjunction in our sentence, Kim put a pillow on top of the empty box, comma, so no cats got into it. And there you have it. Matt, thanks for a great and kind of difficult question. That segment was written by Neil Whitman, an independent PhD linguist who blogs at literalminded.wordpress.com. You can also find him on Twitter as LiteralMinded. Next, I have a familect story from Bruce Zuckerman at USC.
1: Hi, this is Bruce Zuckerman. I'm a professor of religion and linguistics at the University of Southern California, and we have a word we use in the kitchen all the time. The word is the verb is despumate, and something that needs to despumate on the stove means it needs to sit and cook longer than in order to get better. A classic example of of food that needs to despumate is something that you cook like a soup or a stew. Then you put it in the refrigerator overnight, and then you reheat it. It needed to despumate in order to be, taste better than it did the first time. How do we get the word? Well, I think it was I who made it up. Uh, one of my children said, is it ready yet? Is it ready? They're anxious to eat. And I said to one of my kids, no, it needs to despumate Now, why did I use despumate? I don't know. It just sounded like the right kind of word. Interesting thing is when you use it among people who don't know the word, they immediately grasp what it means and they start using it themselves. I've seen a number of cases where someone says, Is it ready yet? And I say, No, it needs to despumate. They say, Okay, we'll wait. So that's where we got the word, and it's been used in our family ever since. One other thing, I have a question for you. I always thought that quick and dirty was a compound of down and dirty and quick and easy. Am I right about that? Did you take those two expressions and put them together? i am always wondered about that, so if you get a chance, maybe you've talked about it before, but if you get a chance, let us know. Thanks very much. Always enjoy your show. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks, Bruce. I covered why the network is called Quick and Dirty Tips about a year ago, but people still ask, so here's the story. It's something my mom used to say when I was growing up, like, let's do a quick and dirty job on these dishes. To me, it meant getting the most important part of a job done, so when I founded and named the podcast network, that's what came to mind since we were providing quick and dirty tips for all our topics. And admittedly, we've gone beyond just the quick and dirty. I think today's episode is actually a good example of that. Now I do the quick and dirty, but also I guess sometimes the tough and meaty. If you'd like to share your family-like story—the story story about a word your family and only your family uses—you can leave a voicemail at 833214GIRL. And be sure to tell me why your family uses the word, because that's always the best part of this story. That's 833214GIRL, and you might hear the story on the show. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl and author of seven books, including the New York Times bestseller, Grammar Girl's Quick and Dirty Tips for Better Writing, and thanks to my audio producer, Nathan Semmes. This show is part of the Quick and Dirty Tips podcast network, and you can find articles that go with each episode at quickanddirtytips.com. That's all. Thanks for listening.